everyone we talked to at the campground who's like a new RVer, they're like, this is the last RV that the RV dealership had on the lot. Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Mikko Karshavsky, and welcome to episode 83 of That Remote Life podcast, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by my good friends, Ian and Caroline from Life Nomading. They have both been on the podcast before separately. However, uh, today I wanted to have them on to talk about their newest adventure, which is full-time RVing. In this episode, you will hear about how the COVID pandemic, quote-unquote, inspired Ian and Caroline to buy an RV and move into it full-time, what it's like to be a remote worker and live in an RV, and Ian and Caroline also shared tons of tips and suggestions for full-time RV living as digital nomads, such as the best way to get Wi-Fi, how to design your RV office, and much, much more. All right, you guys, this was a super fun episode to record, and I think you guys will enjoy it as well. So without further ado, let's dive into this interview with Ian and Caroline from lifenomading.com. Thank you guys for jumping on. I'm excited to talk with you today about uh, the fact that you guys moved into an RV since the last time you guys have been on the podcast. Uh, so super excited to jump into that. Obviously, I know the story, but uh, people listening do not. So let's dive in um, with where this all started. So what made you guys want to, because essentially we're all kind of traveling as digital nomads, not together all the time, but you guys were doing the same thing Sarah and I were doing. Uh, but now you guys are in RV. So what triggered you guys to get an RV in the first place? Well, long, long time ago in March of 2020, um, our roommates on the road crew, meaning us and Mitko and Sarah were in Iceland. Um, that's kind of where this journey begins. We were hosting a life nomading trip. Great time. Um, and when we got to Iceland, that's when COVID-19 was kind of like starting. It was a joke at the time. Uh, and everyone was like, oh, coronavirus. And we thought that our life would be normal. Um, and then we were there in Iceland for two weeks. Um, and halfway through, I guess, COVID-19 started really ramping up. At the time, we were living in New York City. Uh, and we had plans already to to leave New York. Um, we were going to keep traveling internationally and kind of just change our home base to Portland, Maine. Um, and then, I don't know, things just changed. Um, the future was very uncertain at the time. And we actually were joking about van life. Um, and then that kind of just manifested and turned into this journey that we're on now. The next couple of months were a blur, honestly. Yeah, so the van life quickly became more realistic with RV life because van life is, for the most part, well, we can get into it later, but definitely not our vibe just because van life is not as van life realistic as you might see on Instagram. So, um 
we once we got back to New York and we went up to Maine, that's when we started to really research um, RV life and start learning everything we could about RV life. And that's kind of when we got obsessed with it. I'm, I'm curious because obviously I was kind of along for the ride, so to say, uh, when, when this was all kind of like starting out. And I remember you guys, I remember there was this like comment. I think Ian, I'm assuming you said this. You're like, we should just buy an RV. Caroline, was there a moment at which you guys like went back to your room and it was kind of like, ha, 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 ha. And then you guys walked in, you know, it was like, no, but like, really? Like, we should no, buy an RV. No, we, we actually... We got in a fight when we kind of made this decision. Uh, it was a, it was an intense fight. Uh, not all sunshine and rainbows over here, but um, yeah, we were just trying to decide like, okay, what is our future gonna look like? We're moving. We don't know where. Like, do we want a home base? We still want to travel internationally, and that was the, kind of the the goal of all of this. Is how can we have our cake and eat it too? We don't want to sign a lease. Um, and then have to find subleasers because anywhere outside of New York City, that's fairly hard to do. And I think one of the benefits of, uh, first of all, by the way, Caroline was probably more more excited about RV life than I was. Uh, for mo- I mean, we were both excited, but she, unlike a lot of my crazy ideas, she was a driving force behind keeping it. Uh, you know, one of our whenever we have an idea. The biggest thing is just to keep it afloat until we get there or else we can let it die out and then move on to another idea. You were way more keeper of afloatness for this idea than other ideas that we've had. Yeah. Ian has plenty of crazy ideas in life. I am the skeptic. Yeah. (laughs) I'm the skeptic. And if I don't shoot it down within like the first couple of days of him like being obsessed with it, then... That's a great sign. And I have always, I mean, I know, we know a lot of people that live full-time in RVs. My cousin is a full-time RVer. Um, my parents are very supportive of it. They, like, love this lifestyle. So it made sense for us um, to be able to travel and, and experience things in the U.S., even with COVID-19 going on. But also we can park this and keep traveling internationally. And- Another thing to mention about the whole COVID era or time frame, I mean, we're still in it, but when it was at its peak and we were making this decision was, I think a dynamic shift happened in the way we view our lifestyle during that time. I think we realized that like being a nomad and how we experience life and where we go and what we see and what we do uh, doesn't always have to fit in this kind of almost box that we put ourselves in of like international travel or you know always having to see a new country or like experience a certain culture or something like that i think we're we're getting used to the fact that travel can mean a lot of different things Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean like sarah and i did the same thing like when i mean like when COVID kind of happened. Like we also didn't have a home base and we were like, okay, like, um, what do we do? Do we roll the dice and get an Airbnb for a couple of months? Like, do we sign a lease? And obviously we decided to sign a lease for a year just because I was like, odds are for the next year, this is like the best idea, but it definitely shifted even for us. Like we had always discussed the fact that we need a home base and this like 
concept of having home bases in other places, which you guys are kind of doing with like the one home base that you can put in different places. But even for us, like this sort of experience was like, no, like we need that like sooner than we thought sort of thing. So that definitely shifted like our perspective as well. So when you got back to the U.S., uh, I remember that was a very fun uh, journey for all of us getting from Iceland back to the U.S. But when you did that, uh, you guys went to Portland, Maine. And then what was the like, what was it like? getting like the RV, like what was the research process? Like, what were the things that you guys looked for? Because for you guys getting an RV is much more different than like a retired couple getting an RV. Cause you guys need to work out of it and that sort of thing. So what was that kind of process for? And what were you looking for in an RV? So we had this idea to get an RV before we went to Portland, like on our way back from Iceland. Right. So we had found a renovated uh, travel trailer in like on our way from New York to Portland. We were so excited about it. I think it was like, was it like 16 grand or something or 18 grand? Anyway, it was renovated by uh, a lady. We were so excited. We were going to look at it. So we went and looked at it and, um, we almost pulled the trigger on it and we hadn't, we knew nothing about RVs and what to look for and what we wanted out of an RV. And looking back on it, we really dodged a bullet. But um, I say that because when we moved to Portland for a few months, uh, every night we were watching YouTube video after YouTube video after YouTube video looking. Great thing about quarantine is you can't leave. So we had this like one obsession and we would work during the day. We would make dinner and then we would plop down on the couch and watch every single Hours. YouTube video. Just, I kid you not. <laughs> yeah. We watched every single, I mean, up until this phase where everyone's uploading videos but we watched every video out there and we watched so many like of those boring rv tours to find what layouts we liked oh every dealership that makes videos about different layouts we knew them inside and out we could tell you like which model number was which layout yeah. things like that all the codes we, we knew everything so like we we didn't realize it but we were becoming like experts in travel trailer models very quickly and so uh when it came down to deciding uh we knew we wanted we didn't i we we kind of just let it hit us i mean we were on facebook marketplace which is ultimately where we found rhubarb the travel trailer that we have um but we also went to dealers during covid it was kind of a gray area where like you know we we had to find something because we if we didn't, we wouldn't have a place after our short-term um, stay in Maine. Uh, so we thought we found one at a dealership, and then we learned another thing, which is how much you can tow, because we bought a truck, too, during all of this. So Minor we, detail. We were in a very... We had to figure out something that weighed light enough for my F-150, and also had enough capacity for us to work, live, and be okay out of. So you bought you bought the truck before knowing the specifications of your travel trailer. Yeah, and I I think I would maybe do it differently now, but at the time, I mean, we needed a mode of transportation. Yeah, we were tightly strapped after living in New York, we didn't have a car. So when we moved, we were just kind of stuck we couldn't go to the grocery store you know so we kind of hustled through finding a truck 
um, knowing that we would eventually get an RV. We didn't know the timeline, though. Mm. Um, it, but it worked out. F-150s can pull a lot of different options. So kind of. Yeah, a good yeah. amount. Enough. enough. <laughs> so you would say in like in like retrospect, like in Ian, you and I have talked about this like since, but what you would like what you would suggest people do is to get like a, for example, like an F-250 that can tow more just so that you have more options and like what you get as a travel trailer. Yeah. I mean, like I think an F-250, especially for a couple, I mean, it depends what you're going to live out of, but if you're going travel trailer or fifth wheel, um, I mean, an F-250 is a good bet because you can always have more capacity. You don't want to be underpowered and we're not just to be clear, we're not underpowered, but um, an F-150 really shortens the amount of travel trailers that you can uh get so just be weary of that but you you can do it easily if you want to so i feel like this is a good time to actually talk about this because there's a whole bunch of different options of what you can actually get right like you just mentioned travel trailer there's fifth wheels there's like actual rvs which are all like one vehicle um and so why did you guys decide to pick what you picked instead of like any one of those other options? We didn't want to go too big. Um, Ian was kind of more so okay with van life. And then when we switched to RVing, he was okay with like the very small, like mini Winnebago type. Class C. So I think from the beginning, we both agreed we didn't want a, a fifth wheel, which is uh, a travel trailer, but it's instead of being pulled from the bumper or uh, from the hitch. the hitch, it goes into your truck. And the benefit of a fifth wheel is it gives you more, uh, you know, vertical headspace. They're typically larger, have more slides. It's ju- they're just bigger in general, but they weigh more. Um, we didn't. So you need a that. bigger truck, essentially. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, we see anywhere from a F-250 all the way up to 450, which is just a, a very expensive truck. So we were in agreement that we didn't want to do a fifth wheel. We just didn't like fifth wheels personally. Um, and we didn't want to do van life, which is what we call a class B. So that narrowed it down to a travel trailer, a class A, which is like a bus, you know, like a, one of those motor coaches or a class C, which is an older school, like uh, where you, where there's a chassis with the overhang and it's all one unit. Yeah. So why not, you've mentioned this a few times and van life where you buy like a van, like a Mercedes sprinter van, you convert it for living is obviously, like you said, super popular. It's all over Instagram. Um, why not do that? Like what were the, like the cons that made you decide to actually get the travel trailer you did? I mean, we, we both work full time. Uh, so, you know, taking video calls and having like a proper workspace. I'm sure we could gut it out for like a couple of months, but over the long term, I we both need a workspace to actually like live comfortably. And um, th- yeah, it, it, it just didn't seem okay for me to like roll the bed up and make my desk and have Ian sitting right next to me on all my client calls. So <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'm really happy with what we chose. I think like we have that separation, like she was saying, like I can go in the bedroom if we're inside together 
um, and do a call. She can be out here and do a call. Uh, we have space to breathe. Also, from a technical standpoint, uh, well, restroom, right, and shower. Um, from a capacity to hold water and uh, function and, and things like that, uh, you have your window of opportunity is much greater because we can hold more water and uh, sewage and such. So uh, it's just a, but there's a con. I mean, you know, we, we have 32 feet plus our truck. Uh, so, you know, we have a lot to think about whenever we go somewhere and we, we are definitely limited a bit, but we do have our truck that we can detach from. And, uh, and that was the main reason with not going with a class C, um, which we had thought about, but you know, when we're like in a cool city that we want to like, you know, just go into town and have dinner, get drinks or something like that. I don't want to have to take our entire home with us. <laughs> right. So if you are, I'm curious, like, I mean, obviously I think that the fact that you guys make a very good point that if you're a couple and you work, both of you work, it's kind of difficult to do it uh, in like a van. But I'm curious if you like guys were single and you were doing this on your own, having your experience right now, would you consider the van and like, would you go for that or? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you guys were both nodding for those not not watching. I, I would not. I would not recommend. I mean, I could recommend like, um, and we're getting really technical here, but like one of those small airstream pole behinds that are that you could tow with an SUV or or even a Jeep. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could do that, but I would say a van is like perfect for single nomads for sure. Even if we if we were both like freelancers and didn't have to work the amount of hours client facing the way that we do, I think it's a great option. Um, We just both have very like similar demanding eight hour a day jobs. And I think we also function better when we have, and we just made a post about this, but like we have a place that is consistent Mm -hmm. and uh, in our rig that we can go to and work. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I just think like, a van can get really overcrowded and messy really quickly. I mean, this can too, but um, yeah, it just wasn't going to work. I think someday we'll have one, but yeah. I mean, I just, for day to day for long term, I'm not the type of person that can work out of bed every day. Um, right. And that's why I mentioned like maybe if we had different jobs, but I having a proper workspace is really important to both of us. So what were, you know, when you guys were shopping around and you guys were watching all these YouTube videos, I I fully believe you guys that you've seen every single video. Um, (laughs) What were some of the things that you guys like decided like, okay, this is what our travel trailer is going to have in it. Like what were those like key things that you guys were looking for that you felt like would make it, you know, a nice place to live, but also a nice place to work for you guys. So from watching all of those tours that the dealerships do with like the guy in Wisconsin, that's like, you got your underbelly this is storage Dave's here. RV sales. You got the pullout sink. You know, we learned everything through those. So <laughs> from watching those, you learn the layouts. Um, and then we were constantly looking on like, you know, the renovation processes and how people switched out, you know, the big chunky leather couch and put in a workspace. Um, and there are things that work and things that don't work. Um, so, 
you have to walk into every RV and just kind of reimagine like, okay, this is where I would put our work table. This is where I would put a dining table. For remote workers as couples, I think um, technically rear living layouts, uh, which is what we have, which means basically when you go into the rig um, at the back of the rig is going to be where your recliners are probably at. Uh, So your living area, like where you're hanging out, is centered around the back area. That is a great place to set up your office like we did. We put a table back there. So rear living was one of the the layouts that we really liked. Um, We also liked rear kitchen because that also kind of opened up the rest of the rig. Uh, But we couldn't, rear kitchens are really hard to find actually. Um, And we wanted, we definitely wanted a door to separate the bed. Uh, just to separate the rig a little bit and a slide out, uh, which you can see behind us uh, if you're watching this on video. Uh, that just opens it up immensely. Slides are controversial, though, yeah. because some people say that slides just add more problems to think about if they ever break or there's like a water leak or things like that. Um, so we kind of negotiated with each other and said one slide was okay and and they add weight so we could only really do one slide yeah i've been in one of those um fifth wheels uh so i definitely know like the size you're talking about but i I, like that's what i was thinking was like i was looking at this fifth wheel and i think it had like four slides and i was like Mm -hmm. that's just that to me sounds like like begging for one to break exactly (laughs) it's not if they will it's when right um, so when you were getting the RV, I'm curious, RV, it, can I still call it an RV or do I yeah. have to say travel trailer? Okay. RV so, or rig. Okay. So. Or rhubarb when, lovingly. I'm sorry. Rhubarb. I apologize. <laughs> so obviously, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you guys didn't just drop cash for this. What was the process of actually like, like, can you like, is this something that you can get like a loan for? Like, what does that look like? Because I'm guessing that anybody listening isn't going to be able to like, you know, just walk up and pay however much in cash. So first we started with the truck. So it was the first time I've ever purchased a, a truck on my own. I mean, other than when I had my high school car, which obviously you pay cash for. Right. Uh, <laughs> but um, it was actually harder for me to get a loan for the truck than it was for you to get an unsecured loan for the RV. So I have great credit. Um, and I think that was because I wasn't <laughs> technically W2 at the time, but regardless. Uh, so yeah, I just got a, a standard kind of a loan. I, I threw some money down uh, as much as I could for the truck. Um, and then the rest is just, you know, a pretty standard auto loan. And then, um, and then you, you want to talk about how you did that yeah so we we purchased rhubarb uh direct from the seller so it wasn't going through a dealership now typically if you're buying from a dealership it's very similar to buying a car through a dealership so they can offer you financing options um but this might be a tangent but i wouldn't don't buy from dealership and don't buy new in our opinion oh yeah yes all of those things snaps for that um yeah so we bought from a seller um they had we got really lucky with them they were the nicest couple in Maine um they had only moved the RV like twice slept in it twice um so it still smelled new like everything was just pristine um 
so she had a loan because they bought it through the dealership. Um, so basically, I they just switched the title over, mm. and I was basically paying her loan off with um, your loan, though. Yeah, I yeah. got a loan to pay off that credit right. union, and now I am paying off my loan, and it's unsecured. So, you know, you went through your bank, which it didn't have to be. It didn't I have just, to be, but um, I'm yeah. gonna pretend like I know what that means. So, so basically, if it's a secured loan, then the bank owns the RV, got it, um, until it's paid off. Um, and so they use that as collateral. But you can do unsecured, which basically, I don't know what happens if I default on my loan. Then <laughs> they but, just hunt me down. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, we definitely didn't pay cash either of us uh so we i mean kind of our rent payment is a combination of obviously what we put pay at a campground and what we're paying on our on our separate loans mm -hmm. for the rig so i mean was it generally speaking like was it a pretty simple process like was it easy or was it something that you guys were just like it was like a pain in the ass to do i think the hardest part was just the fact that it was covid and things were a little Right. You know, harder to do just because people weren't yeah, working. The worst part was uh, registering the yeah. vehicles to get license plates, but that's because we couldn't go to a courthouse. So. Right. Yeah. So you guys, you know, obviously for people watching on YouTube, you guys did a phenomenal job. You renovated it. And I'm sure, you know, like maybe I'll post a link to like a before and after picture. I know you guys have posted a lot of those um, on you know, on, on social media. So you guys did a, it, it's beautiful. So for anybody watching, Thank YouTube, you. it's easy to see. Um, what were some of the, like, did you make any mistakes now looking back and you were just kind of like, oops, like we should have known about this next time we're going to know not to do this or to do this for the, for the buying or for the renovation or for everything, all of it. Yeah. I think we did a pretty good job with buying, but part of that was just luck because the people that we purchased from were, were just angels. Wonderful. Um, I think that, uh, I mean, we were with all circumstances, I'm, I don't regret it, but again, the truck thing, I think, um, you know, hindsight 2020, maybe, um, finding a way to look at some other options, but we didn't know what we didn't know at the time. So mm. it works. Yeah. So. Renovation process. Um, I think we did pretty good. Yeah. I mean, the wallpaper was a pain in the ass. But <laughs> I mean. Um, in the bathroom, you can't see it. Yeah. The bathroom was complicated. Uh, I think. No, I think we, I think it, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of guesswork at the, in the end we did okay, but um Basically, like any piece of furniture that we had to buy or consider bringing with us, weight is just a huge issue because um, if you go over your like rated weight capacity, it's very dangerous if you ever get into a car accident. So, you know, we got lucky, but like this couch that we bought, we were shopping for couches for so long and we were like, how much does this one weigh? Like, how long is this? Is it going to fit in the slide? We marked out in the living room of the apartment we were staying in in Maine how big the space was and we measured everything before we purchased it to see how it would fit. And and for van lifers slash like other types of RVs, that's not as much of an issue sometimes. So that is definitely a negative with uh, travel trailers you have to like know your how heavy you are 
At but is times. that is that the travel trailer's fault, quote unquote, or is it because you said the like you bought a truck that could only pull so much? So would it be as big of a concern if you had a bigger truck? No. Well, I mean, we have so basically with a travel trailer, you have your dry weight, which is when when all the stuff you're going to load to go camping for normal people mm-hmm. isn't in there. And then you have your like loaded weight, which is all that stuff. I think it includes water as well um, in there. So you, no matter what, no matter what truck you have, you can't exceed that gross weight for mm. the axles of the travel trailer. So gotcha. for us, we're maxed out regardless at 7,400 pounds, I think. Um, so that was a, that was definitely a number on our brain, but we wanted to be way less than that because mm. Just the lighter you are, the better yeah. it's going to tow. So right. what are, you know, I obviously I've never owned an RV or anything like that, but one, like growing up, my dad worked on a lot of like sailboats. And like one of the things that he always told me was like, it's really great to not own one, but to have your friends own one because you don't get any of the additional costs because you spend X amount of money on the boat. And then there's this other cost that you don't see coming up, you know, kind of behind it. What are some of the additional costs that you guys have found kind of come down the the line, you know, like now that you guys have, you know, the travel trailer? Okay. Well, first of all, before you even get started, there are so many oh, yeah. accessories that you have to buy that <laughs> yeah, like boys of toys, you know, <laughs> things. Yeah. Things you don't want your hard earned money to go towards. Yeah. Like, for example, the tube that hooks up to the sewage that you drain your sewage from. That's 50 bucks like, there, probably. Yeah, 50 bucks there. You have to get like a little elevator thing so that gravity Another can do its work. Another 50 bucks. Like you have to have like extensions for extensions of water hoses. Hoses like, on hoses. Spigots, like little pods that you put down the toilet so it doesn't start smelling. And Caroline, your you're very, uh, you're very, uh, this animated all of a sudden this topic came up. It's Let me like- tell you <laughs> how many Amazon boxes showed up where Ian had just had to order all this stuff and he's like oh by the way you owe me $250 and I'm like I don't even want this but we have to have it we also dropped three grand on a hitch so you know you didn't have to do that but like there's a lot of that was a group decision by the way that was a safety decision but yeah I feel like if um, Ian drop 3k and then just like let you know and you found out just from the venmo request out of them yeah conversation but that but that was to ease my you know highway driving anxiety mm-hmm. too. no both so of that us, was we, a that was a big it it's the thing. biggest thing we could do safety wise for the rig um but yes there's a lot of startup expenses um you know i would say about 50 to 70 percent of the things we bought to start out with um, are essential. There's definitely some things that we didn't need to have to get started. Um, but for the most part, like, yeah, there's going to be like probably a grand worth of like normal stuff you got to buy to even like be sustainable. Uh, plus a generator. Like if you want to, if you're not going to camp at places with electrical hookups, you want a boondock, which means like, you know, camp remote, like all these van lifers show. Um, you're going to need like a mode of like a generator or solar power or something like that. So, Which the generator is the cheaper option, just in case anyone was wondering. So, um, what's the solar is so expensive. Yeah. To implement, to put like the panels and stuff like that on top and wait. 
Right. So there's like this, there's this constant balance, which is fun. And it's probably similar with sailing or any other type of recreation or flying. Like you can have this, but you know, that it causes this. So there's always that. Um, but like maintenance wise so far, we've, I mean, there's a decent amount of maintenance that has to be done to keep this thing from not falling apart and not having big issues. Um, like I've had a water pipe issue already. Um, a lot of things with like the tires and the axles and, uh, the hitch and all that stuff. Um, but you know, that's going to happen if you're living full time out of a thing that was meant to be used on the weekends. Hmm. Yeah. I remember when we were, cause we, <laughs> this is funny when we were, uh, we, we spent some time camping with you guys. We got a rooftop car tent, uh, for those that, you know, don't know or follow us on social media or anything like that. And so we hung out with you guys for about a week. And one of the funniest things was uh, Ian getting just so excited about what can I, I can only describe as a poop tro- trolley, uh, which was delivered. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. And like, Another I, I essentially, yeah. So it was this thing that like you would fill up and then like you would like tow behind like the truck to go dump it out. So I'm, I'm imagining there's all these like toys that you're buying that are kind of like, <laughs> you know, like, they're fun. And they're essential at the same time. And I think that's like, I, I don't want to put it, but it's like kind of a guy thing for me. Like, I just love oh, totally. yeah, boys with toys. The, yeah. Yeah. But I realized last weekend that I haven't purchased any like new clothing in the past seven months. And I was like, where's all that extra money going? And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> all the stuff that we need. Right, but right. to to that, like, uh, what is it called? We'll call it a trolley or whatever. Um like to that point the biggest thing with this lifestyle is like just relearning like it's like having fun in the fact that you have to kind of work in some ways to live and like you actually kind of I don't want to be like rah-rah but like you kind of appreciate things more like the fact that I have to worry about sewage and like Mm. do that like people take for granted that they just have pipes that take their sewage away for their whole life. And we were coming from like complete opposite New York City. Like if you didn't want to take more than three steps to open your door for the delivery man who is, you know, delivering your food from the app that you ordered it from, like you didn't have to. So we're going from that to like, I have to think about where my poop goes after I flush. So, but don't, don't most RVs have like a pipe that you don't really need to worry about that so much if you're in like a hookup? Yeah. It, well, yeah. But there's still, still work It still has to, to compile it. it and then you go and empty it. Even if you're already hooked up, you just don't have to move the rig to do that. Oh, I see. So there's still, gotcha. I mean, it's not, it's not hard. It's just, it takes time. And it's like, instead of watching a movie every night, you know, you get to like work on things. And I, I like it a lot, but like, it's just, it kind of like, focuses your brain and like doesn't like makes things a little more simple and like Mm. back down to like the basics of human existence. So you guys mentioned, um, the campgrounds, you know, and kind of the cost, like cost of campgrounds or like boondocking versus that. So what is it like? Okay. I feel like this is like a very big topic. So let's, let's talk about first of all, like, what does it 
cost to actually go to a campground like you guys are at. Um, because that's obviously a cost that you need to consider because now not only are you paying for an RV and a car, you also need to essentially pay like rent, right? Where you, you leave the RV. So what are some like the numbers for that? Before I'm going to let you answer that for sure. But before I say this, we never got into this to save money. So some people do get into this to save money, uh, which is great. Um, but I just want to put that out there that cost savings was never a, a thing for us. So um, for this lifestyle. So. so in terms of pricing, obviously, like you can there's a whole range. You know, there's resorts that you're spending $150 a night. And that's mm. like that is the attraction um and then there's some places where it's like 15 dollars a night um somewhere in the middle you'll probably find a decent campground that offers discounts the longer that you stay um for weekly and monthly or seasonally even up to like 50 percent or more yeah um, for like monthly stays which is huge yeah and obviously quality varies with that so um you know you have to kind of like get your feet wet a little bit, figure out what you like. And when you're looking for campgrounds, you have your non-negotiables. Uh, for us, obviously, cell phone service is huge because uh, we have to work and have a hotspot uh, that operates. Um, but there are people that do it for free, basically. You can stay on BLM land, which is entirely free. Um, there's no like electric or water hookup or sewage or anything like that. But it's more popular in the West. Yeah, a lot of BLM land out west. W what um, does that mean? Bureau of Land Management. So it's federal land that is protected. You can just go out there and camp. Yeah. Gotcha. So a lot of, uh, we, we've met a few on the road that have come from the west over to the east for a while. And they do that almost exclusively. But with the huge spike in RVing, um, it's it's supposedly really hard to find open spots now uh with campgrounds too it's it's been we i spend a lot of time you spend a lot of time too researching campgrounds that even have availability for us mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so it is it is hard we i mean well especially in the summer um yeah. so obviously it's going to slow down uh, especially in more wintry regions um once we get into colder weather um, we are currently, uh, cause we're killing some time in the good old Midwest before a very special wedding coming up. Um, we <laughs> have fallen in love with a lovely campground in Michigan. Um, and they have a work camping program. So Which basically, lot, yeah, and pretty much every campground has this. Um, so you can be a campground host, um, and do like little tasks around um, the campground, uh, you know, just spot cleaning, checking in that bathrooms aren't a disaster. Um, you can go around and deliver firewood and pick up trash in the evenings or things like that. Um, work in the office even, and you could stay for free. And it's typically, they typically expect like three months um, from you. So mm -hmm. if you're, if you're looking to like travel, like kind of slow, um, it's a great solution to save money. I mean, we're not paying rent for two months. I mean, right. I mean, we have our loans, but you know, that's great to us. Um, but going back to like average pricing, I would say we're at like for 
35 a night um and you know give or take a little bit of that and that depends on how long you're staying but and those are that's the range where our creature comforts are aligned with what we're looking for we we typically try to at least get elect we always have electric um electric and water is like typically our minimum um and we hadn't had full hookups which means water electric and a sewage hookup until we work camped here so we we typically just will drain our sewage um you know every few days by either hooking up or now hooking up to the the poop trolley um so that we can stay for cheaper um because full hookups are always way more than um water and electric so you know water and electric might be 30 full hookup could be 48 45 yeah, but this is all, you know, we found our sweet spot because we know that, you know, normally when we're traveling over the weekend, we'll stay at what, what is a Harvest Toast, which is a cool little thing, a membership um, that has like wineries and breweries and local farms and you can stay there overnight for free as long as you go in and support that local business. So mm. that saves us on a weekly basis, at least one night of stay uh, on our which travel days. Up. Yeah, over time definitely adds up. Um, and then we'll probably go splurge a little bit and go over our nightly average for nicer places. And then we'll get discounts if we're staying for a longer time. And how are you finding these campgrounds? Like, is there like a website or an app where you can see like the prices and like, because you mentioned that one of the important things, um, and we're going to talk about this more is like, you know, making sure that you have cell service so that you can work. But is there some place where you can like like check that? Because I can imagine the worst thing is for you to get there and be like, oh, sh- shit, we don't have cell service here. Yeah, um, we mainly use an app called Campendium, uh, which I'm sure you'll link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But it's a great app. Um, it shows ma- It shows all the major cell phone providers. And whenever someone leaves a review on Campendium, they'll say how many bars they had for their given service. So that's really great. Um, and also it's just an RV community. So uh, you, you get what's important in the reviews versus like a Google review that would probably be like just a weekend camper that's probably disgruntled. So um, I would, Campendium's like definitely probably the best app out there. There's like a few others that we've tried, but that seems to work for us so far. And they do everything, not just cell service. Like they'll also like you can find like where the different campgrounds are and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. You can search within a region. So like we're eventually making our way down to Tennessee because we're going to be in that area. So you can search, you know, Red River Gorge and see all of the RV parks that are there. Um, I haven't even told you, but I bought the upgraded premium account for Campendium so that I can <laughs> just inc- <laughs> yeah um but i in my search i can say okay for this week that we're going to be there i want full hookups i want this price range and i want you know four bars of at&t mm. and it will only pull that up nice yeah so you mentioned um and you mentioned that there's like you just kind of like mentioned in passing there's been a spike in rv sales uh tell me a little bit about that why is that happening is it because of covid like how is it like like what's going on with that yeah uh it it has a lot to do with covid so uh i believe i read a stat the other day 2018 was the the most rv sales 
up until that that graph or that data. Uh, but the huge spike is happening right now because of COVID. Uh, d- just due to the fact that a lot of families more so uh, find that camping is a affordable, uh, more affordable than other type of travel solutions and, and vacations, and b um, you know social distanced as best as possible so you can be self-contained you have your own little plot whether it's close to another person or not but it is your own little area to um it's out out. it's outdoors you're not having to worry about you know who cleans the hotel room that you're staying in who cleans the airbnb And, and i mean i think there is a huge part of that and i can't wait to see what the data is on it but full timers people shifting to this lifestyle so Mm. Um, you know, as of like 2018, I believe there was a, over a million full-time RVers uh, in the U.S. And I can only imagine that in the in the past two years, that has probably skyrocketed because every single day we learn of a new friend that, or every single week at least, we learn of a new friend that has chosen to do this. And everyone we talk to at the campground who's like a new RVer. They're like, this is the last RV that the RV dealership had on the lot. Mm. So, so are the prices are the prices going up of RVs yeah. and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah, same with vans. I mean, uh, Heath, which is a mutual friend of all of us, also just purchased a a van, and um, he he was talking about how prices are just going through the roof, mm. and he was barely able to get this one. Uh, he had he had messaged, I think, a few others. And a day after they go on Facebook Marketplace, they're gone. Wow. Yeah, Heath, uh, Heath was on the podcast as well. He's like episode three, I want to say, or something like that. So uh, it's been nice. a while back. But uh, so if anybody wants to go listen to it. Um, okay. I've been saving this topic because um, I know Ian's already a nerd about this topic. So let's <laughs> talk about Wi-Fi and how you guys actually work online from yeah. the RV. Uh Okay, how like how are you doing it? Is it like cell service? Like how? What exactly does that look like? It's magic so far, um, and I need to caveat this by we don't have it all figured out yet. But uh, first of all, I would never rely on campground Wi-Fi. So okay. we've had one instance where, well, actually two. I mean, we've had a couple that have been okay, uh, but never rely on it. Um, Two, we use a hotspot. So uh, basically, my biggest stressor when we were trying to figure this out was how are we going to yeah, have data, have a connection? Uh, because you know we're in the middle of we're in the middle of Michigan, um, and our phones don't work, and we have Google Fi, uh, but we do have a hotspot through a third party called Unlimitedville, uh, which basically resells. Uh, hotspots for the the four main providers being AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, and Sprint. Uh, and so they call it the blue plan that we purchased. We pay a monthly fee, and they they sent us a, a hotspot that we use to connect. And we have four or five bars here where we don't have any cell phone service on our Google Fi plan. So it's worked really, really well. Um, the internet has kept up with you know all of our video chats every day and um it is truly unlimited and that's that's kind of the biggest caveat here is no cell phone provider right now offers truly unlimited everyone offers unlimited but 
you need to read the fine print. You know, after 20 gigs, they slow down your internet to something that is unfeasible to work off of. So it was it was a challenge finding something that we trusted to give it a shot. And this is what we got. Isn't there something, I know a lot of people that have like one of those like Skyroam router things. Like I feel like a lot of nomads have one of those or a similar thing that they use internationally to get data. Is that something that you guys looked into or is it just like not reliable or not unlimited or like what's the deal with that? I'm not familiar with uh, Skyroam that much, so I'm not sure. I think a cell booster. Okay. Um, right. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think so. I don't know. Okay. But I just because um, I know the reason I ask is if somebody's listening who maybe has one of those and has been using it for like international stuff, like is that something that can come back in? But um, do your own research, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and I, the biggest thing was I didn't know if I was being dramatic and needing unlimited Wi-Fi for a month. Uh, we didn't. We had no clue how much data we use on a daily basis. Now I know we use like ten to fifteen gigs a day. So how do you not know that? Hold on. We share a family plan with Google Fi. And I can tell you, I remember watching it and Ian's was like, I would use like two gigabytes in a month. And Ian was going through like 30. Well, for, for work. That's different because we're not hotspotting off. Of that. Yeah. If we were working oh, okay. off of that, that would have maybe. But so we use collectively like 10 to 15 gigs. So if you're out there listening and you are responsible to be on multiple hangouts a day, mm-hmm. um, doing multiple calls, if you're uploading anything significant, obviously, like you're going to be using a good amount of data. So you're going to need unlimited because 30 gigs a month is going to get you nowhere unless you work for yourself and you're dealing in Excel sheets all day and that's it. Mm. So, you know, there's a few providers. Unlimitedville is what we chose. It has worked great for us. But the moment AT&T is a, we're in a bad area for AT&T, honestly, right now we're kind of screwed. So a lot of our viewers use multiples. So we pay $200 a month for this. We even entertain getting the Verizon option as well as a backup. Mm, be just so that you more. have, like if the at t yeah. doesn't work, you have the Verizon one or vice versa. Yeah. But I mean, we do a significant amount of research before we go anywhere to make sure that what we have will work. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That's not, that's not cheap. Like 200 bucks a month is, uh, no. And that's, sure. you know, and it's one of those things. It's like, it is the most important thing to us on the road. So we don't even, you know, blink an eye at, you know, it being a cost of this right. lifestyle. So um, it's fine for us. But yeah, if you're getting multiple carriers, it starts to add up to a lot. And there's, honestly, I've talked to so many RVers and there's no perfect solution. Everyone's kind of fending for themselves. And it's a huge opportunity for someone to figure it out. Um but that's just not the case yet. Okay, so let's um, let's talk about the fun stuff. You know, the lifestyle, obviously. So, what has it been like? You guys have been doing this since um, I'm gonna say April officially, right? Because we came back in March, so you guys bought the RV. Let's say April, May, whatever. So it's been several months since you guys have been doing it. What has been the life like? Like, what are you guys enjoying? What are the things that you guys are kind of like? Damn, I really miss the apartment. Like. You know, what's just what is what has it been like? Ian says pretty much every night, like he'll be getting ready for bed and he's like, Why don't 
all people do this. Like we didn't sacrifice anything to be living this lifestyle. We have a full kitchen. We make like fabulous, healthy dinners every night. We have a shower that's bigger than apartments that I've lived in before. Um, You know, a bathroom. The bed is comfortable and wonderful. We have air conditioning when it's hot and we have heat. Um, I'm just, yeah, we haven't given up anything. We've only gained in my opinion. Yeah. And the cherry on top of all of that is like, if we want to go somewhere, we can, um, you know, it, in where wherever we're working, it's the same thing as traveling internationally. It's like you get done with work and you can go outside and go hiking or go explore something new or, or even just like work outside all day yeah. in nature. <laughs> like being outside has been uh, done wonders for us. I mean not to, I mean, to get in the weeds a little bit like you know Heath was talking he was visiting the other day and, and we were talking about like just being outside more and in, in this lifestyle and he's like yeah you know like when the shoe was invented to separate our feet from earth like that you know that was the slippery slope of everything and like I feel like as crazy as it sounds like I walk around barefoot almost all day even going outside and just like being like more like connected to earth and like the surroundings and like appreciating everything and like that has been awesome it just feels good to that point though with this audience like working from home working remotely and also living in a city I didn't realize how difficult that can be on you especially in new york not having an outdoor space Mm -hmm. there would be days where like i don't ever leave the apartment and get fresh air or like just be able to like you know be within nature and that has done wonders for both of us i I work outside most of the time if it's nice outside the first like couple weeks i mean i would just repeat like how in awe i was of smelling nature and like my heightened senses of like hearing everything and smelling everything and like it was uh, great we haven't gone overboard we're not like trying to sell you essential <laughs> oils or anything like that but Although we'd like essential <laughs> oils but <laughs> yeah love essential oils but like we're we're normal people like i love being outdoors but i'm not like you know yeah. trying to like camp with just a sleeping bag on the ground for the rest of my life but it it really does change how you're living your life we're not camping like no. i think people <laughs> ask like how the camper is or like how's camping life and like i don't want to do a disservice to the people i see that do camp we're not camping yeah. um but we are living in more nature and living more simply and i think it i mean we haven't used this tv in the background more than i think we've used it twice um in total and that itself we choose you know campfires or you know walks over tv so are okay so are there any cons because i remember when we were there ian you made this comment that you said like well i've just accepted that i'm gonna smell like campfire from that walk like are there is that if a you con take that as a con or is that a pro I, I, I i'm not know. saying <laughs> it is i'm just saying if you want to take that as a con are there any other cons i think Yes. I mean, like little things that aren't like deal breaker things, like something that comes to mind is, first of all, everyone in RV parks are are typically really, really nice and helpful. Um, 
but it, it can get kind of old sometimes like uh with a bunch of like kids or you know like um, children oh like there's kids next to you oh, okay not a fan you. or like pri- <laughs> privacy a little bit like i don't we don't really mind but it can get old a little bit like being right next to someone sometimes which is also a product of where you choose it's no different than living in a suburban neighborhood Mm -hmm. though um so i i don't think it's really not that bad i'm just trying to fish for something yeah i mean we're we're used to being in small spaces like yes our kitchen is smaller but like we kind of see that as a challenge you know it's Mm -hmm. one thing one thing that really does come to mind is water um so like something i'm always think about all day is like when you're in an apartment and you spill water or you get a drop of water on the floor, it's not a big deal. When you're here, because RVs are typically made pretty cheaply, um, if a couple drops of water land on the floor, I'm always thinking about it and I'm always wiping stuff up immediately because that can soak in and like damage our RV. So like water damage and stuff like that kind of stresses me out. To caveat that, I think... Ian is just like hyper paranoid about it. Water damage normally in RVs doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't normally happen unless you have like a window leak and it's pouring down rain and there's like a huge puddle. But like I'm washing dishes and he's just like sitting there wiping the floor underneath (laughs) me. So, okay. That is not the opening quotes of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. But no, I totally, I totally know what you guys mean because. You know, like Sarah and I have like never had, well, we've had an apartment of our own, but it was like last year and it was like three months. Uh, basically, we moved in and Sarah was like, all right, like, great, let's, <laughs> let's go. Um, so now we're in an apartment kind of like for the first time, like we're getting the experience. And like, even though there's a park, like literally right behind our apartment, I am getting a little bit of that, like, okay, like I, I want some green, like I need, you know, and so we went and we spent, you know, we were with you guys in Michigan and we went to our friend's um, lake house and it felt so nice to be, you know, like you were talking about, like, you know, take your shoes off and just walk around in the yard or whatever. Um, so I can't imagine somebody who's stuck in like New York or something like that. And with, during COVID and like, you literally can't do anything or go anywhere. So um, I totally understand. Okay. What do you do kind of in wrapping up? You guys said you're not done inter- traveling internationally. If anybody who's listening, who is a digital nomad normally traveling most of the time, uh, decides to, you know, have a home base, it's an RV. What do you do when you leave? Like what happens with the RV? Have you guys thought about that? What are some of the solutions available for that? So, um, I mean, obviously the free cheap version is what we call mooch docking, uh, which means you can park it at like a family member's place. Or is that like, like a that. term that is like oh, yeah. well known? Mooch docking. Yeah. As if you stay at a at a, at a, a like we mooch docked in the UP with with uh, you guys. Yeah. So. Yeah. Boondocking is like out with no hookups, not on in a campground. Boonies. Mooch docking is like you're in someone's front yard. Um, uh-huh. So yeah, I mean, my parents have a good amount of property in Georgia um so they have welcomed the RV mainly so my mom can live her best RV life while we're gone um but there's also a lot of storage options that are pretty affordable um 
So a lot of storage places will allow you for a cheaper option to like park it in a lot. Um, we have a nice cover that you can that fits the RV. So it's like totally sealed up and, you know, protected from like snow or damage or anything like that. Um, or you can do like an indoor storage. And I would say you're probably looking at, if I had to guess, probably a hundred bucks to maybe 200 bucks a month to so like probably a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. To store it. So, which is still cheaper than paying rent on yeah. an apartment that you, yeah. So, yeah. so that like those are kind of in any storage unit place you can do that, or there's not certain any, ones. But I mean, you if if they do it, you'll probably see RVs there because I mean, not everyone that has an RV that does it on the weekend either um, can store it at their place. So they there's mm-hmm. a lot you'll you'll start seeing it more if you're looking for it that at these storage units there's typically a few RVs there. So. Gotcha. Well, cool guys. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I really appreciate it. Always. I mean, we talk all the time, but always a pleasure to talk uh, and catch up. Um, where can people follow you guys? Uh, you know, if they're interested in sort of uh, keeping, you know, learning more about the RV life or anything like that, or just keeping up with you guys, where can they learn more about all of that? Yeah. Uh, so two main places, uh, YouTube, we upload every week and we're consistent about it. Um, pretty Question proud of mark. it. We, uh, we upload every week about this journey now. Uh, so if you want to check us out, just search life nomading, which is L I F E N O M A D I N G on YouTube. And you'll find all our videos and our friendly faces or follow us on Instagram at life nomading. Um, Seriously, if anyone has any questions about this, like every RVer, we love to talk about it. So, <laughs> and we're still pretty new as well. So, yeah, we're still um, learning, but the RV community in general is very helpful. So, never have a hesitation to ask. And uh, if anybody is driving and they see uh, yeah. your trailer drive by, they'll know because it's got the Life Nomading logos on there. So, uh, you betcha. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Uh, appreciate it. And um, yeah. Thanks so much and have a good one. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you.